Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletail from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Minneapolis is Michelle Landis. Michelle is co-founder of the firm Accessible 360. First, Michelle, thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Happy to have you. And we're going to be talking today about accessibility. Um, uh, particularly when it comes to online. And, and that leads into my first question for you, Michelle. You know, when it comes to accessibility, we tend to think of wheelchair ramps, but it's also an issue online. First, can you recap for us what laws there are for digital accessibility and, and what do they require? Sure, I absolutely can. Your initial question does paint the picture that we're now talking about equitable access to all human beings in not only a digital environment, which was guaranteed here uh, in the United States with the signing of the Americans with this Disabilities Act back in 1990, the move for everybody's world and their life and their banking and their healthcare and their job, uh, a lot of us lately, uh, to being an online digital space the accessibility on the web can be easily defined as the inclusive practice of removing barriers that prevent interaction with websites, mobile apps, enterprise systems uh, for anyone, right? For people with disabilities or, or the aging population. And so it is a coming together of what we've done so well in the physical space and um, making sure that the online digital space is also accessible. And these days, uh, you know, the physical space is often secondary in our day-to-day -day lives to the electronic space that we're, we're all occupying, especially during this period with so many people, you know, staying at home so much. Now, where do organizations typically stumble when it comes to complying with the law? Well, again, you bring up a very good point, right? COVID, the pandemic, has served as a huge accelerant to the awareness of the lack of equitable access online with so many people being at home. I think where corporations might struggle, or really maybe a better phrase would be, they're just not aware of, right? No one that I've ever come across, once they know better, doesn't want to do better. It is, I think, simply a situation where they just hadn't thought of it before for all sorts of reasons, right? Um, COVID has accelerated it, that has made it much more obvious, right? We talk about it for the past two years almost every day on the nightly news about how everybody's at home. So how do you order your groceries? How do you do your banking? And how do you do your work if, when we're all at home or remote? Organizations, I think, first look to their consumer-facing websites and apps and the reason I think they do that is because this is an incredibly litigious business compliance topic for both Title II entities and Title III entities. And what I mean by that is Title II entities, as described by the Americans with Disability Act, are the government, healthcare, and public education, right? So the government and then those programs and services that are funded by the government. Title III entities are places of public accommodation. And so for those organizations, they are the ones that are sometimes highly targeted uh, by the plaintiff's bar here in the United States for not having accessible websites or mobile apps. Now, for an organization that you know wasn't aware of this and has not yet addressed the issue, how should they begin? 
It's a great question. Uh, they should begin by taking an inventory. So um, how many of your websites and mobile apps are having a lot of interaction with the general public, right? We refer to this as B2C uh, websites or applications. The best thing that they can do is get a live user assessment by a team of individuals who are both trained to test these products for the WCAG guidelines, which is the uh, set of success criteria that we use in the industry, and people that are living with a disability who can do those tests. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of pop-up companies now that are offering a quick fix for accessibility or um, a type of scanning tool that you run. And I think the biggest mistake that companies can make is putting up one of those overlays that when sold to them is professed to magically fix accessibility um, or to rely solely on an automated uh, scanning tool result. Well, and you know, to, to your point, it's great if there's something turnkey, but it, it, it better work. And you know, it's often the case, it, it doesn't fully. Now, that's a pitfall, obviously, an organization should avoid. Uh, are there any other pitfalls you think that are out there? I think underestimating, first of all, the time that it might take to fix something. You are absolutely right, and there is no quick fix for this. So if they are targeted with a demand letter or a lawsuit, and in that legal letter, it says you must comply within 21 days. I want everybody to understand that means you need to respond in 21 days, right? Or you need to engage with them in 21 days should your legal team uh, advise you to do that. But you can't fix a website or a mobile app in 21 days. And so I think setting that expectation. The second one is don't assume that your IT team or your agency knows how to do this. You can graduate with a four-year college degree in computer science or be trained as a full-stack web developer and accessibility compliance or universal design and development, they're not necessarily covered as part of the curriculum. This is new to your team and they need specialized help. Now, for an organization that's already pursued accessibility, um, what should they be considering for making their digital assets even more accessible? You know, usually what's standard now is not going to be the standard three years from now. Where are we going? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think there's a, a misconception, I know there is, um, in the business environment that the compliance regulations change all the time and it's really up in the air and it's very unclear and it's a gray area and it isn't. We operate under the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines as issued by the W3C over 22 years ago. That incidentally is why uh, the word web is in there versus digital, I suppose, right? We didn't have apps back then. But the W3C is the standard of success criteria that we use in auditing. And then there are versions of it. So just like Windows, for example, the next version has some more features in it, right? The reason that we moved from 2.0 to 2.1 and may move to 2.2 is simply the regulations need to have more tests when advancements in design or development show up in the marketplace. 
So lazy load websites, um, you know, new features that we didn't have a few years ago. When you bring those into a digital space, we need a new test to make sure that they're accessible. But what I want the listeners to understand is the, these are not big changes. They're backwards compatible. Um, the changes from 2.0 to 2.1 allowed for three brand new guidelines only. They had to do with new input modalities, mostly used on mobile responsive sites. So accessing a website on a phone, for example, that just weren't around when 2.0 came out. And with regard to 2.2 coming out, it's been in the works for several years. It was supposed to be out two years ago and it wasn't released. There are nine different new additions to the success criteria. One of the tests is downgraded from one level to another, but it's really very well known and very well understood by the subject matter experts in the field. So my advice is just ask an, ask an expert, right? So before we go, let me ask you one other question. Um, a company has a website and it has an app. And let's say hypothetically, we can get the website fixed in 30 days, but the app is gonna be a lot of coding and it's gonna take a lot longer. Can a company offer an app that's not accessible if it's got a website that is? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that one before. Um, it depends on the functionality and the user path within both products, right? If there is similarity, so in other words, if you can bank online with the website, just like you could in the app and all the features are there, then yes, that would be an alternative method, right? I think the thing to remember is that everybody's on a journey. And when you improve a website or an app, the most important thing I can share is that your team needs the corporate investment to maintain it. This isn't a situation that you do once. This is a tipping point. It is very similar to the change uh, to responsive design with websites years ago. When all the different size smartphones came out with the different size screens, you might all remember that ads didn't fit. Now everything is seamless and it goes to the edge of the page and it all looks very beautiful. But that necessity came out of the business problem, right, of things not scaling correctly on all the size phones. Where we're at, with digital accessibility and the civil rights for individuals to access digital content however they would like to on any device or browser they would like to, is we need to make sure that we build from the beginning and that we test for accessibility as we make changes to our products. So kind of a long answer for you, but I hope that ties it together for everybody. No, it's, it. I think it does and I think you, know, you make the point as we talk about this is look, technology just never stops evolving. That's all there is to it. And uh, we can never assume that we've got it handled because we may have it handled for today, but what it's going to look like a year, two, three years from now, it's hard to say. So it requires ongoing investment for accessibility as it does for everything else. Well, um, Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. Uh, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>